Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to On the Fable. I'm Dorothy and I'm here with a wonderful group of Christian women to discuss the issues of the day much like we did in the old days around the kitchen table when the kids were in school. The call-in number is 646-595-4784 if you want to call in with a question or a prayer request. Press 1 to raise your hand in the queue. Our contact email is onthetablebc at hotmail.com. Now, we may not all agree all of the time, but isn't that half fun? Different perspectives coming from different experiences and learning from each other? Pull up a chair and join us on this most excellent adventure in the reality of Christianity. Let's just see what's on the table tonight. Good evening, everyone. It's so nice to see you here. We've got our Good PM. Good evening, Dorothy. Hi, PM. And David. Hey, yes. David. <laughs> P- PM is fine. That's what my Facebook friends... My Facebook friends have been calling me PM for a long time, which stands for Praying Medic. Uh, that's when I was anonymous on Facebook. Then when I went on Sid Roth, they were like, oh, this is Dave Hayes. And so you can... You know, you can call me whatever you want. I don't really mind. Not that uh, particular, so just want to get that out of the way. Okay, yeah. I went through a phase where I wanted to be anonymous, too. And then Father set me straight, so <laughs> I love the way he does that so gently. Um, yes, I'm excited about this evening's program. Uh, we're going to talk about this operating in the courts of heaven thing. I don't know if y'all have heard about it, but David has written a wonderful book about it, and it's so logical. It's like, well, duh, of course it works that way. But he's going to explain it to us so we can understand. So, PM? Yes, yes, ma'am. Can you explain to us who you are a little bit. I mean, I know who you are, but let everyone know who you are and then get into 
talking about the courts of heaven. And and we'll just interrupt you when we feel led. How's that? That sounds great. Nothing better than spirit-led interruption. Um, <clears throat> so I am... I, 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 my name is Dave, and I go by the name of Praying Medic. Um, that name came about because I was on social media back about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. Um, I was blogging and writing about the patients that I was transporting. I've been work, I worked as a paramedic for 35 years. And in 2008, the Lord uh, appeared to me in a dream and told me that he wanted me to start praying for my patients and that he would heal them. And at the time, I didn't believe in healing and miracles. I didn't really believe in the supernatural. Um, I had been kind of, uh, after I became a believer, I was mentored in a kind of a fundamentalist church. So um, when the Lord appeared to me in the dream, I had to start you know, getting my mind renewed to some new things. And... Um, I actually started to see a lot of my patients healed in the ambulance. And I started writing those stories out. And because of you know, patient privacy laws, I didn't want people to be able to tie me to my patients. So I, I blogged anonymously as Praying Medic. And that's where the name came from. And then when I started writing books, I just kept the name because people already knew me by that. And so I've written 12 books in the last five years um, on the supernatural, healing, seeing in the spirit, hearing God's voice, most recently the courts of heaven. Uh, I write on a lot of different subjects. And, um, you know, podcasts and YouTube, and I'm very active on Facebook. And so that's how people know me as praying medic. Um, The introduction to the courts of heaven was um, an interesting experience for me I had not really, um, it wasn't really on my radar much. Until 2010, I had this very strange dream. I have a lot of dreams. And this one night, I had a dream where I received a document from the court of heaven. And that's the only way I can explain it. In the dream, I saw something like a subpoena. And it was given to me in the dream. And... It, the, the order in this document commanded the forces of darkness to release any information that they had uh, blocked from people who lived in my area. And at that time, I was living in the northwest. I was living near Olympia, Washington. And two local prophets had, um, were in the dream. They resaw the document. And they signed off on it and attested to its authenticity. And that was my first experience, my first time I heard of the courts of heaven. So God kind of put it on my radar about seven years ago. And then I learned a little bit from people like Ian Clayton. I had listened to some of his messages. And then I read Robert Henderson's book, Operating in the Court of Heaven, which was pretty helpful gave me a good um, foundational understanding of the biblical basis for the courts of heaven. Although, to be honest, that book is a little bit of a difficult read because it's kind of repetitive. And Henderson approaches the courts of heaven a little bit from a legalistic standpoint um, and not in the sense of legalism as in 
jurisprudence, but from a religious legalistic standpoint. I, um, <laughs> he has a little bit more of an old covenant approach to his theology, if you understand what I'm saying. And I have much, I think I have more of a new covenant approach to, to my understanding of God. So, um, I started to have these experiences where I was in my mind, in my spirit, going into these places that I can only describe as they looked like courtrooms and there were law books and I saw a judge and sometimes I would see Jesus and I realized I was in a, in a courtroom setting and there was an, an adversary there, <laughs> an evil spirit who was accusing me of things. So the Lord led me slowly down this road to have some understanding of what the courts of heaven are all about. So that's kind of the background. Does anybody have any questions as far as that goes right now? Uh, so you I had a, 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 go ahead, Pam. Go ahead. That's all right. Uh, uh, years ago, I had an experience um, where I saw a table, and um, I don't, I can't remember what quite quite what happened now, but I saw a table, and I was going through something at the time, and uh, I was aware of the Holy Spirit on one side, and 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 Jesus on the other. And there was somebody there, and I just uh, pleaded the blood. And um, I, I remember this um, somebody getting a, 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 a scroll out and uh, undoing it and, and saying that there was nothing down against me. And I don't know whether that was the court of heaven. Yes. I believe it probably was. Um, that experience is very similar to my first experience. And yeah, it's I, I didn't understand it at the time. Yeah, and many people don't. Some people have appeared in the court of heaven, and they just felt led by the Lord to engage, you know, this experience where they saw this, you know, they saw the judge or the saw table, or they saw some people see a book with writing in the book, and they intuitively know that, because they're in court and it's almost like their sins are being brought up. They just say, well, this, the blood of Jesus has taken away my sins. And that's what I did. Um, when yeah. I, what happened to me was I was sick and I had a lot of friends praying for me. I had a, yeah. a fever for about three or four days and nothing, nothing was working. I just kept waking up in the morning, fever, sick and feeling terrible. And then one night mm. I, I closed my eyes and I saw in a vision, something like, like I said, there was law books in this room, and I saw a table, and um, I felt like I was in a courtroom, and I said, okay, well, if I'm in a courtroom, I want to hear, see, have my um, accuser or my adversary appear, and there appeared over to my right side this demonic-looking thing, and then I, I said, um, <laughs> I remember this from Ian Clayton. He said, when you go to the court of heaven, just ask for the accusation to be read or ask for the books to be opened. It's actually in Daniel chapter Seven, I think Daniel says, I saw mm. the books opened. So I asked for the book to be opened, and I saw a book appear in front of me on a table. And I knew in my spirit, I just knew that those were the accusations against me that the enemy was making about my own, my sin. So I said, Your Honor, um, let the uh, my my defense is the blood of Jesus, which takes away all iniquity. And then I saw this. I literally saw blood coming down and splashing on the book, and then all the words were erased. They were gone. 
Yeah, they imagine. And and so the next day the fever left and I was and I was healed. And Praise God. most of yeah. most of my experiences since then have been similar to that. The mm-hmm. the protocol that I use and and I teach on this is very similar. It's it's simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, any, does anybody else have any questions um, so far? I, I'm just amazed that this teaching has gone untaught for so long because obviously other people have had similar experiences in the courts. And and when you think about it and actually start studying it out, it's all throughout Scripture. I mean, how well, many yeah, times and, do we and... say... <laughs> That Satan is a lawyer, you know, he's a biblical lawyer. Right. He's all about legality. So um I think this is timely for right now to really get this out among the body of Christ. Um I'm just amazed. I I'm I'm grateful that he gave you that vision. Yeah, me too. And you know, not a week goes by that I don't get a testimony from someone who has read either read one of my um, articles on my website or has read the book, one of the books, and entered in, had the experience, and got some uh, breakthrough on something that had been mm-hmm. plaguing them for a long time. Real quick, because people always ask, um, and, I, and I, I just posted something on Facebook, which a testimony from a woman who went to the court of heaven um, to get someone healed, and it was successful. And somebody chimed in and said, I can't find this anywhere in the Bible. And I said, okay, well, you might want to just start at Zechariah 3, which is a really good foundational scripture. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses from it so that you all know where this is coming from. Um, Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 4. And the angel showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, I, the Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebukes you. This man is a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Then Joshua's clothing was filthy, and he stood before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins, and now I'm giving you these new fine clothes. So in that little passage... You know, it's it's a courtroom. There's an accuser there. Satan is there accusing Joshua. This is in this is in um, a courtroom in heaven, and Joshua is accused, and the Lord passes judgment um, on Joshua, removes his sin, gives him new clothing. So when people say, "Well, I can't find any courtroom, you know, accusations and Satan in the Bible," I'm, I was I always just say, "Look, go to Zechariah three, and if you read the rest of the chapter." It's very helpful because it talks about the, uh, some of the other courts and councils in heaven and how the Lord told Joshua, mm-hmm. if you will walk in my ways, if you'll keep my commands, I will give you places to walk here in the, in the courts and you will um, have authority over my house. And so that's kind of the, the blessing, the benefit of knowing God's ways and appearing in those uh, heavenly realms is that God gives us authority to do greater things, and there are many. This this court that we that most of us talk about uh, sometimes called the court of accusation because generally when you go there, there's an accusation against you. 
some people call it the mobile court. Um, some of the teachers from the UK, there's a lot of different people in the UK who are teaching on this. Mike Parsons, Ian Clayton, Justin Abraham, uh, to name a few. There, it seems to be called the mobile court, but it's all the same place. And the interesting thing is there are many different courts and councils in heaven. If you go looking through the Old Testament scriptures, especially, you'll see some of them. There is what some of us call the divine council. Um, I think you can, if you're interested, you can find that, I think, is in 1 Kings um, 22. Uh, There's an interesting um, account there from, uh, let's see, it is, it's a, it concerns Ahab, and if you want, I'll just read it to you. It, because most people overlook these passages. They don't really, when they're reading through the scriptures, they don't think of the context of where is this. First Kings 22, uh, verses 19 through 22, it says, I've, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven was standing by, on his right hand and on his left hand. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab? to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So that he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his mm-hmm. prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him. You will also prevail. Go out and do so. So, you know, you read this and you think, okay, so the Lord gave permission for a lying spirit to go out and, and give mm-hmm. false prophetic revelation to Ahab's prophets. Now, this, pe- this has a lot of people scratching their heads. They're like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why would God do that? Well, there's, a, there's a, a lot of reasons why God would do that. First, Ahab was the most wicked king ever, and God had tried through the, prophet, uh, through the prophets to straighten Ahab out, and he wouldn't listen to him. So in this particular account... Ahab is planning to go to Ramoth Gilead and the prophet is given true revelation from God about what is going to happen if he goes to Ramoth Gilead. So, um, so the prophet says, and this is, um, Micaiah says, okay, you know, what happened was (laughs) Ahab had called up the king of the Southern kingdom and said, Hey, you know, let's go up to Ramoth Gilead, or let's talk about it at least. So they're talking about it, and the king of the southern kingdom says, "Hey, is there a is there a prophet of the Lord who can give us advice?" And Ahab said, "Well, there's only one, uh, and Micaiah, and he always prophesies bad words against me. He never he never gives me permission to do what I want to do, and I don't even want to hear what he has to say." So this king of the southern kingdom says, "No, no, no, bring him up. You know, let's listen to him." So he comes before Ahab. And Ahab says, what does the Lord say about me going to Ramoth Gilead? And, and Micaiah says, go and do whatever you want. The Lord is with you. And Ahab, is, he knows that he's being sarcastic. And Ahab said, I have told you never to say anything to me that hasn't come directly from the Lord. And Micaiah says, okay, well, if you want to know the truth, this is what's going to happen. I saw the Lord on his throne sitting up in a high place and everyone is surrounding him and an evil spirit came and said I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets so Micaiah told Ahab I saw a council in heaven 
where all these spirits, good and bad, the saints and the angels were all gathered around discussing your fate. And the Lord said he is going to allow a lying spirit to fill the mouth of your prophets. And if you go to Ramoth Gilead, you are going to die. That is what the Lord is telling you. So Micaiah gave him the true word of the Lord, and he even told him, this is how I got this revelation. I saw this council in heaven. Well, Ahab went and to Ramoth Gilead and was killed. Okay. The interesting thing to me in all of this concerning the courts of heaven is this was a, a council in heaven that some people refer to as the divine council. I know people that have been there. They have seen these council meetings in heaven. Um, they're, they're very interesting. They're high-level councils and, yes, fallen angels and evil spirits and, this, and the Old Testament saints and the apostles actually will appear in these council rooms and they will uh, be allowed to, to make petitions before the Lord to make certain, have certain things happen. So um, all, all of that is to say there are some very interesting things we can do in the heavenly realms. Um, if we just, you know, start out with places like the court of accusation or, the, or the, the, this place that sometimes called the mobile court, <clears throat> that place, that venue is a place where anyone can go at any time for whatever reason they want to go there. I, I, I tell people, look, anytime you feel like you're being accused of something, whether it's through an actual person who is a friend or relative or coworker, if you feel like someone is accusing you of something, you might consider just asking the Lord, hey, is there an accusation against me in the, in the court of accusation? You may just go there. And typically, like you know, most of us who are uh, in tune with the prophetic, you see images in your mind or you hear things in your spirit, you hear, th- hear thoughts. And if you do this, you know, I typically just say, Lord, I ask you to convene the, the court of accusation. And then I'll see in my mind, I might see some words, which represents the accusation. I might see an evil spirit there. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I, my protocol is always the same. Whatever the accusation is, it doesn't really matter. I always plead the blood of Jesus. And then I'll ask the judge for, to render a verdict against the evil spirit. And then sometimes I'll ask for um, a specific decree if I need one. And it's a very simple process. And I'll give you a, a very practical um, example of how this works. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, um, I was out at a restaurant with a friend of mine. And um, we had actually met for the first time. We've known each other online for years. And she had a knee injury. Now, I've prayed for thousands of people with knee injuries, and they're not that hard to heal. Um, you know, once you start operating in the in power and authority, getting joint injuries are really easy to heal. But she had received a lot of prayer from people who know what they're doing, and she could not make any progress on this knee injury. So we sat down and talked, and I went through my, my protocol that I use for healing. God has given us a lot of tools to affect healing, and I go through kind of this mental list that I have. I release power, which is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We are um, like a reservoir of power of the Holy Spirit, and you, you have to learn how to release that power. So I tried that. Nothing worked. didn't work. I exercised authority. So I commanded ligaments, 
tendons, muscles to be healed, commanded spirits of pain to come out, so I'm exercising authority. Didn't work. Not, no change. I asked if she had any kind of emotional trauma related to this event. There wasn't any because emotional healing is one of the tools that God's given us. Forgiveness is another thing to think about. So I'm going through this list, and nothing is working, and her knee isn't getting any better. So I thought, okay, well, maybe there's an accusation in the court of heaven against her. So I did a little uh, interview. I said, okay, tell me about the events that surrounded this whole thing. And she told me about it. And I said, okay, were you involved in anything that could be considered warfare against witches? Do you routinely get involved in intercession against witches or witchcraft? Do you, have you had any dreams or, or revelation from God about anything New Age or witchcraft related? And her eyes got big. <laughs> she was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're saying this. And I said, okay, well, tell me what's going on. So she was living on the East Coast, and she had gotten uh, <clears throat> into this. She has done some intercession in Salem against some of the witch covens. She has done occasional intercession against witchcraft in various places. Whenever she's going through a town, if the Lord puts on her heart that there is witchcraft in that town and leads her to do intercession, she'll do some prayer against witchcraft. So she's kind of an intercessor, and this is a routine thing that people do when they have an intercessory burden. Then she started having dreams where um, she had one dream where a witch was throwing balls at her. She had another experience where she saw somebody astral project into her house. Um, And this is all kind of happening at the same time. So that to me was enough information to realize, well, there may be some uh, legal issue that the enemy is using against her related to witchcraft. So in my mind, I sat there at the table and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to call the court of accusation uh, into session can I hear the accusation, if there is one, against my friend? And immediately I saw in my mind the word illegal warfare. So I said, okay, um, we're just going to plead the blood of Jesus, which takes away her sin. Um, I, I saw the judge say not guilty. I heard the word not guilty in my mind. And then I said, okay, I asked for a decree that the these evil spirits would be that their right to harass her would be removed. So then I went back and I released power and I exercised authority and I commanded the ligaments, tendons, nerves, and bones to be healed. Well, as soon as I had done that, she was able to get up, take off her knee immobilizer. She'd been wearing a knee brace for about three months and was able to bear weight. And she still had a little bit of instability in the joint, she had a torn ACL, which caused the bones to slide back and forth. And she said, I can just feel that my joint is unstable whenever I take the, the, the knee brace off. But she had the knee brace off, and she's walking around and said, there's still some instability, but it's much better. So she sat down, and I did some more prayer. At the time she left, she had 90% improvement in that knee. Nice gap. Using, using exactly the same 
uh, tools I had used about a half hour earlier that didn't work at all, that did nothing. I've since, she came, <laughs> the funny thing was, she was on her way through town. Uh, we met with her, and then three weeks later, she came back through town again. We met with her again. Went out to the same restaurant. I prayed for her again, and she is now at uh, almost completely healed. Um, and she has had this injury in her knee for probably five months. But the breakthrough came when I went before the court of accusation and found out there was indeed an accusation. Now, the thing was, she was led by the Lord to do warfare against witchcraft, but you have to be careful as an intercessor how you do it. Because if you Mm -hmm. do things that are, you know, that are illegal, um, you know, let let me just say this. You may have a right as a doctor to practice medicine and to prescribe medications, but if you prescribe the wrong medications for the wrong reason or the wrong dose, or if you get involved in dispensing drugs illegally, you can be arrested. Even though you have uh, a license to practice medicine, you have to do it the right way. And I think intercession and and spiritual warfare has to be done the right way. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example of how, you know, in a down, you know, down and dirty everyday uh, way, you can use the court of accusation, the court of heaven, to help um, get breakthrough on things that you haven't had breakthrough on. That's an amazing testimony. David mm-hmm. Murray, do you have anything similar to share? Um, well, my game, first of all, uh, I've been sitting back here. I've been uh, listening, and I am always so blessed by listening to David Hayes uh, teach and explain on some things. And for our audience, I just—it's I, just such a blessing. Uh, I do. Uh, I, my, my my plan here was to kind of sit back and act as a spiritual sniper and just uh, tune into the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he wants to address anything. So, you know, for for those of you that. that don't get to hear two people who have similar callings minister together. It's wild because to see how faithful God is and how he moves with the body of Christ is awesome. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, squeeze the trigger on a couple of things that, that the enemy would like to bring to our listeners. That's distortion of scripture. And the first part that I want to encourage you guys with is two things. One is that, that when David is sharing what I keep getting is fear. I keep hearing the word spirit of fear. And so let's address that first. Um, and I'll address it through an experience, uh, Dorothy, that you talked about. And really, experience is only as good as our theological foundation from which we draw upon, right? Theology is not meant to be how we live. Theology is the safety net. It is the platform. It is our bumper guards in which we then engage the realm of the kingdom and the realm of our Father. So... I want to share, there's uh, a scripture verse, Psalm 32, 5, where David says, I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So, guys, what I'm going to address here real quick is just fear, the uncertainty, not knowing our authority in the body of Christ, and just fear. This scripture verse in Psalm 32, 5, discusses three different types of violations of God's nature, sin, iniquity, and transgressions, okay? And 
What's important, I remember one time speaking similar to what Dave was talking about. I went to the Lord on behalf of a family member to get a breakthrough, something that was really, really bugging me. And I had gone to the Lord before and for, I mean, I was standing in prayer and fasting for over a year. <clears throat> if something doesn't take place, we're doing something wrong because God's nature never changes. And for some that's encouraging and for some that can be discouraging, that's as we continue to grow and understand that God is good and God is love, he's given us all authority, it's not that he's falling short. It's just that we have more that we need to learn, right? Faith comes by hearing. So anyway, I finally got so set up that I went before the Lord and I, I said, Lord, I'm just going to, I want to go before you on behalf of my brother, on behalf of this need that's, that's, that's coming up. And as I was getting quieted down to pray, the Lord stopped me, and he said, David, don't you dare enter my courts with iniquity in your heart. And it was such a stern correction uh, and word of, of loving chastisement for the Lord, I was caught completely off guard. And so immediately my answer is, Lord, I, I don't have any unconfessed sin. I'm like racking my brain. Like I, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about, Lord. And he began to speak to me, and he said, David, wherever you are choosing to disagree and contend with my word in an area of my kingdom, and I've addressed it to you, and you are continuing to hold on to dead thinking and old religion, you are in iniquity because I've addressed it to you, I've spoken to you about it, I've corrected you, and you're stubbornly set on doing it or thinking about it your way. That's iniquity. <laughs> I don't want you in my courtroom with iniquity. <laughs> so uh, talk about getting, you know, you know, hooked out of left field. You know, I mean, I just, I was floored. And instantly I said, Lord, just show me where. And boy, he was right there. He was right there to show me, David, I've been speaking to you on this for years now. And you have to make a decision. Are you going to have the courage to decide me and my word and my nature is true, or are you going to allow the hurts and wounds of your past to dictate your belief system? And so I David, there's, right an, then there's, there. there's an interesting principle of the kingdom, and that is once the Lord gives you the true revelation about a situation or a an understanding of some spiritual truth, you are responsible to walk it out, to live the rest of your life that in the knowledge of that. Amen. Yep, amen. And that's a, that is a great reminder for all of us. This was a, a stark awakening for me because I knew that in principle, David, but I was clearly I hadn't walked it out in this area of my life. And uh, it, that's absolutely great to bear repeating. You know, guys, if, when the Lord has dealt with us on something decisively, he's given us time, he's fed us, he's shown us truth, he's applied his principle where it says, whom the sun sets free, you shall be free indeed. If we begin to stubbornly, you now it doesn't matter, guys. We could say, I've been really hurt. I've been really wounded. Um, this isn't pride or arrogance. This is actually shame or inferiority. It doesn't matter because God's nature never changes. And in his love, he will move us along. And he also holds us as we continue to mature in him. He's, he expects you know, us to get off the milk and get onto some of the meat. And so he addressed this with me, and I immediately uh, repented, wash it out, the done. I said, oh, Lord, I'm going to choose to believe what your word says on this. I'm going to work through it. I thank you that you're faithful. You'll guide me in this. You'll correct me. So I just got into praise, and, and I waited for a minute, and then the Holy Spirit said, it's time. I said, well, time to walk. What do I do now? 
And he said, now, now, now come to me on behalf of your brother. And then I went to him in faith. And, and David's book, really, if you guys haven't heard of it, um, David's books on this subject, there's two of them I cannot recommend enough. One is Seeing the Spirit. The other is Courts of Heaven. Um, because one of the, the gifts that we all have gifts in the body of Christ, right? Every one of us, there are no spectators, not meant to be any spectators. One of the gifting and the calling that David had is to be able to teach and impart faith. That's one of the things that he is, is, is called to do and he does faithfully. And his books explain these things with scripture in context with well grounded <clears throat> And so I went before what? the Lord. Sorry, David? No, go ahead. So I, I went before the Lord, um, and as I, I closed my eyes and I was just going before him on behalf of my brother, uh, a picture began to form in my eyes, and I saw um, a dust cloud off to my left. And I've heard other people describe this. I've never up to this point experienced it myself. I saw a dust cloud uh, that, that was evil personified. And... I stayed, uh, I stayed, kept my eyes focused on the Lord, and I actually walked through in my own words, very similar to what David had described, David Hayes described. And afterwards, um, I saw the Lord speak off on my right side. I didn't see him. He spoke over my shoulder, and he said, it's done. And then the picture left. I opened my eyes, and I called up my brother, and I said, this issue is done. It's done. And he said, how do you know? You've been praying about this for a while. You're praying. I said, it's done. Well, it was the next day that he finally got that breakthrough that he was looking for, the next day after praying for a year. And what I want to encourage you guys with that, so one, addressing the fear, so what does that have to do with fear? Guys, our Heavenly Father is not looking to, to blame and condemn us. The scriptures say the opposite. He, is not, he has not given us a set of rules and is waiting with the club, licking his chops, waiting for us to mess up. That's not the picture of the earth walk of Jesus, who's the exact representation of the Father in heaven. So the point of this is the stern words that Jesus spoke to me was for my protection. He would not allow me in the courts because he knew I could not stand in my authority and get the outcome he wanted me to have. He's a, he is a loving, faithful, holy, and just judge. And he knew that with the spiritual condition of my mindset, I was out of alignment to present this case before the Lord where success was guaranteed. That's the first part of fear, guys. We don't have to be afraid of anything. The, the second part he's addressing is the discouragement. M many of you are listening to this, and you're feeling discouraged because you feel you don't see, taste, touch, um, operate, Spiritually, your senses haven't developed that much. And one thing that I want to impress upon us, guys, is many of you that have gone into intercession for others have been doing this for years, for your whole life, but you haven't been taught, you haven't understood the kingdom biblical principles that haven't been outlined. So you were getting results. Many of us, we've gotten results, but we didn't understand that we were coming under spiritual principles of God's kingdom that never change. And so when we attack something a different way because we're not staying steadfast or we're not tuning into the Lord or whatever it is, and we move on to something else, we come out of alignment with his principles. 
And then we come back into alignment. So I've seen many, many, many people who move prophetically and who, and who are called to intercession, or even if they're not called, that have interceded or supplicated on behalf of other members of the body of Christ, where I've heard them say, I don't get it. Sometimes I get fantastic results, and I mean, some things over here, I just don't get good results. Because we just haven't been trained what's going on. And the scriptures are loaded with examples of this. And, and I recently was discussing this very issue with somebody else, and they asked me, well, they just don't see this in heaven. We don't see that taking place anywhere in the Bible, and it's just because we've been taught to gloss over things. The second Samuel 24, the entire chapter, is a living example recorded for us of a legal transaction that took place on behalf of the nation of Israel. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, David had sinned. He, it's in, in the beginning of the chapter, it says that Satan incited David to sin against the Lord. A lot of Bibles have horrible translations. Get into the Hebrew if you're not sure. Most commentaries don't even touch it. They skip to verse 4 because they don't even want to touch verse 1. It says that Satan incited David against the Lord to transgress against the Lord. A plague came. And then it it says David saw the angel who was striking down the people. So he was seen in the realm of the spirit from earth. His eyes were opened. He was seen into the spirit realm. And when he saw it, the angel striking down the Lord, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I am the shepherd. I have done wrong. These are just sheep. What have they done? So let your hand fall on me and my family. It says on that day, Gad went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And when David um, had the sacrifices, and when he made the birth and fellowship sacrifices, it says the plague was stopped. And here's the key, guys, right? We know this. The Bible does one of two things. It either teaches or it illustrates. It either teaches a kingdom principle or it shows that principle in action. This right here, 2 Samuel 24 is the principle of God's courts in action. There was a transgression. David saw the result of his transgression in the spirit realm. He went to the Lord on behalf of the nation of Israel that was being struck down because of a wrong, because David came out of alignment with the principle. And the Lord says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to plead the blood. He said, where do we get that from? We always say plead the blood. Where is it in the Bible? It's right here. And it's in many places. It was the sacrifice, the type and shadow of what Jesus will perform on the cross. It was the blood, the sacrifice that atoned for the sin. And the atonement of the sin removed the accusation from David and the nation. So for those of you, the point of this, guys, for, for those of you that are hearing David Hayes speak, and, are, and, and I know for a lot of us this is new, it's challenging, it resonates within our spirit, but we're, we're pulling a lot of threads together, Understand, for many of you, you've already been doing this. You just did not have a clear teaching or scriptural foundation and context of knowing what you were doing. And when David and I hooked up, I don't know, David, about a year and a half, year and a half or so ago, just try two years, when, when uh, David and I finally connected, I had, you know, 35, 40 years of experiences where I had no roadmap. I was doing things as the Lord led me. He'd give me scripture verses here and there. But when, when David and I connected and he was able to really systematically confirm 
a lot of the things the Lord was speaking to me and kind of put the pieces together. What happened was my interactions in the realm of the kingdom in regard to intercession and the courts got propelled even that much more because now instead of saying, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you, Lord, you gave me this verse, but not really understanding a lot of the meat, the principles, now that I had a biblical foundation, a solid teaching on it, I moved with such greater use of my authority, and it propelled me in such deeper realms of exercising my authority, um, it, it can't even compare to what it was before. Even though I've been moving in it, my mother had been taught me to do these things since I was about seven years old. So, again, not, not to put on the plug-in for David's book, but I'm going to because uh, uh, it's meant to edify the body of Christ. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out on you know, his website, it's well worth it. So anyway, thank you, Dorothy. Those are two things that I just felt the audience needed to be ministered to by. That was very well put, David. And and I have to agree with you on David's writing in his books. It's so clear-cut and so well laid out. It just really helps you understand the procedure. I mean, we use the Absolutely. terminology all the time. Jesus is our advocate. Well, what is an advocate? An advocate is a lawyer. Where do they work? They work in the courts. You know, so it's something that we've glossed over and just haven't fully consumed. And David's books make it so simple. It's like, you know, well, of course. So I really, and all the books. I haven't read all your books yet, David, but I'm working on it one at a time. <laughs> no, and that's, that's okay. And, and I often refer people to my podcasts because, you know, yeah. if you want teaching on one subject, you, you know, get one of my books. And, and a lot of my books are available for 99 cents on Kindle because I do write yeah. a lot of short books. Um, I try to keep, I try to keep my teaching concise practical and simple enough that a fifth grader could read it literally because one of my best friends who I'm mentoring in um, healing and visions and things of that nature, um, he is developmentally delayed and he reads at a fifth grade level and he has read all of my books and I use him as, as kind of as, as a gauge if, if it's too difficult for him to understand then I haven't made it simple enough. So I try to take, you know, complex, abstract theological ideas and make them simple enough for literally for, for a, an elementary school person to be able to read and understand and apply what it is that I'm trying to teach. So, you know, that's kind of my, um, my goal is to write things simply. But I, I, I love doing podcasts too. And a lot of people really, really enjoy my podcast because um, I, I interview some very interesting people. Um, they share really amazing testimonies on everything from the courts of heaven and healing and seeing visions. And um, <clears throat> one, of my, one of my favorite all-time, I mean, I, I interviewed a woman who, had, who was actually a, a lesbian for most of her life. And she talked about how the Lord changed her to um, now she is married to a man and she has walked away from that lifestyle, but she gave kind of a, a really beautiful testimony of how the Lord changed her heart and broke down some lies that she had been believing about herself. Um, 
So, you know, if you, if you like to listen to messages, I have a lot of podcasts, and I, and I do a weekly podcast. Um, all of my podcast messages end up on YouTube. And so, you know, when people are looking for help, um, you know, everyone likes to get their information a little bit differently. Some like to read books. Some like to listen to podcasts. Some would rather watch a video. So I, I try to make the, the information available in a lot of different formats. Yes, I strongly suggest going to his website because he has different venues that he's teaching through um, the podcasts, the the books, but, you know, it's just the blog, too. You do the blog, um, and they're all edifying. And if you want to grow in the Lord and you're lost, <clears throat> and that's a good place to go for food. It really is. And, and I'm trying to get better at sharing it everywhere, too. So... Everybody, Dorothy, going on the, what did, yes. What did what did you think of the latest uh, article that I posted about that woman who went to the court concerning her abortion? Oh, you, I love that because abortion. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, but abortion has always been a, a thing for me. It's very upsetting because I know not just the death of the child, but the lies that are told to the women to get them to do the abortion and the emotional and spiritual damage is like off the charts for these women. And uh, this woman, it was a wonderful testimony. She had already been doing everything that we're taught to do. You know, you repent and, you know, all that stuff. She would ask for forgiveness and, she was still having problems, right? Yep. Yep. So she was she still... Did, she didn't she, actually... Yeah, she she didn't actually tell me what it was that prompted her to go to the court of, of heaven. Um, but she felt like the Lord wanted her to go there, and she'd never done it before. And I, I always warn people, look, when you go there for the first time, be open to whatever the Lord wants to show you, because you never know what you're going to see when you go there. You never know what the accusation is going to be. It could be anything. It could involve a lot of different things. I, I have talked to people who have seen, literally seen a coven of witches in the court of heaven accusing them, and it was because they have a family history that is steeped in witchcraft. Um, I have seen, I talked to a woman who went there, and there were Ku Klux Klan members there in heaven and that was her accusation because she had a family history her father and grandfathers were all clan members and she had some generational things that needed she needed to deal with so i i do warn people when you're going to do this just be willing to respond to whatever you see and don't be freaked out by it and this woman was very surprised by what she saw which dorothy you can share the rest of the story if you want I'm not sure I remember it as you know as detailed as, well, as it should be told, she, but it was she so got good. There. She she got there, and and the the accusation against her was murder, and she yes. said, "Okay, I, I recognize that I had an abortion, and I guess in in a sense that's murder, so I plead guilty." But she saw these six little spirits all there who were the ones that got murdered. And she said, I only had one abortion. Why are there six spirits here? And then she was told that these were the grandchildren and the, and the offspring of the child that she aborted. 
they were all her responsibility, and she was being accused of the death of all of them. And she didn't know that. She'd never even considered that. So, again, she got to repent for that <laughs> and have the blood of Jesus cover that. And then she got a, a, a judgment uh, against the evil spirit that was accusing her for that. It, it, whenever a person is feeling guilty or shame or accused, it's a great thing to do is to go to this court and just ask the judge, is there someone that is accusing me of something? And if there is, an evil spirit will show up and they'll, they'll give what, you know, the accusation. They have to. Um, so guys, if I could just jump in on one thing, just to piggyback with David saying, uh, again, because, um, some of you are listening, many of you are listening and you, rather than this being encouraging for a moment, there's a party that is, is feeling discouraged because of the visual aspect, the visual sight. Here's a key that I, I want us to understand guys. I want us to remember we do things there's a seeming contradiction, right? Hebrews 11 and 2 Corinthians 5 says that we, we walk by faith. Nothing, it's not by sight. Yet Paul, all throughout the scriptures, talk about that he wishes our spiritual senses would become more mature. So in one sense, we have him saying, you walk by faith, you don't walk by senses. In the other sense, he says, I wish you would, you would be more sensible in the spirit realm. So why is that? Guys, the reason why that is, is because that, that admonition is that we walk by faith. Remember, the word faith is to believe. It's to put a personal trust in. We trust by our beliefs of the spiritual realities of God's kingdom when we do not see evidence of it by the physical senses around us. So walk by faith, not by sight, is referring to we walk believing God's word when our physical senses don't see it. That is not saying we walk by faith, but we're not meant to spiritually see. And the key to that, guys, is in Hebrews 5.14. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, solid food, let me paraphrase this, solid food is for the mature who, by reason of constant use, have trained their senses for discerning good and evil. And the word senses means perceptive faculty. Everywhere where Jesus said behold in the Greek actually means to see, to perceive. That's not with our physical senses, guys. If you read the book of Hebrews, it is filled with the spiritual senses we're meant to walk in. In the same way that, and you guys that have tuned in before know this, have talked about this, five physical senses, there are at least, at least five spiritual senses. And the more that we train ourselves, practice that, right? The last year, guys, we talked a ton about developing spiritual gifts, understanding our identity in Christ. It's the platform in which we don't have to be afraid if we, if we make mistakes. We're, we're covered in the blood. We're safe, right? This is meant to be fun, right? This is fun. When Dave and I talk, we laugh probably as much as we actually are going over things and comparing notes and teaching because life is meant to be fun. The body of Christ is meant to build each other up. And so, guys, for those of you that don't see with your spiritual eyes, it doesn't matter because as you can you're learn. doing this, yes, you, you can learn. Yeah, absolutely, David. <laughs> you will learn, guys. You will, you will be trained. Anyone, the, anyone who is not seeing in the spirit, who does not see visions, don't let anyone tell you that is a gift only for prophets and only for certain people. Because Amen. I, have, such a I have teaching. talked to – 
I have talked to dozens of people who have read either my book, Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, or they've read Mike Van Blyman's book, How to See in the Spirit. If you do the exercises, if you just exercise and spend time in the Lord and spend time engaging the spiritual kingdom, you will start to see visions. It happens to everybody who does the exercises. Same thing with hearing God's voice. If you train your mind to perceive the thoughts of God, you will learn to hear God's voice more accurately. You will uh, be much more acutely uh, understanding prophetic revelation. Same thing with visions. Same thing with spiritual senses. I know a lot of people, they smell in the spirit. They can smell the aromas of heaven. They can smell different aromas in worship. When angels come around, they can smell them. Uh, all of the physical senses have, an, have a spiritual sense that complements it. Um, you can feel the glory in your spirit when you're around angels and when you're in the throne room. Many people feel this intense glory in their spirit. So we all have, all these spiritual senses can be exercised, it can be developed, and you can be more accurate in, in seeing and perceiving the, the spiritual kingdom. It's just a matter of practice and exercise. Amen, could David. You, and, now, could, could either one of you or both of you, okay, and this is something I've heard people say that, that I'd like to, to see addressed, is that the gifts, the spiritual senses, should not be trained because you're supposed to get this heavenly bop on the head and they're just a gift from God. You don't have to train, you know? No, wrong, wrong, well, that's exactly wrong, wrong, wrong. That's violation of the scripture we just did in Hebrews 5.14. I mean, it, that right. itself is in violation to that. But, David, go ahead. Speak to that if you, if you care to answer Okay. That. So l- let me ask you this. And this, is, this is, comes from a, an over- focus on the concept of, because I have people all the time ask me, well, I don't have the gift of healing and I don't have the gift of this and I don't have the gift of that. And I have to, um, it's, it's a long conversation, but I break down all these, um, all these lies that people believe in, in my books and in my podcast. Okay. The first one is, you know, the gift of healing. Okay. So the gift of healing is a, is an idea people have because they look around the world and they realize, well, there seems to be only a few people who are actually like consistently operating in healing and miracles. So if there's only like 1% of the population doing it, it must be a gift. Maybe God just chooses certain people to do it and not other people. Well, and then they go, well, see, in 1 Corinthians, there's a gift of the gift of healing. Well, okay, that's true. However, and there are two different operations of healing and miracles. There is the, there is the 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that is encompassing the gift of tongues, the gift of discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, healings, plural, miracles, plural, and all the other spiritual gifts. And what do we know about those, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They are only for believers. Non-believers don't operate in that. It is all of the gifts are for the edification of the body of Christ, other believers. Okay. When we, and tongues is the only one that is for the edification of the individual. All the others are for the edification of the body. That's what Paul teaches. So if you are operating 
in the gift of miracles or you're operating in the gift of word of knowledge or word of wisdom. You are operating in, in, under the unction of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the body of Christ. That is what all of the spiritual gifts are for. Now, that is one operation of healing and miracles. Now, there is a completely different operation of healing and miracles, which Jesus talks about in Matthew 10 and Luke 10. This is for when he called the 12 disciples, what did he say? He said, I give you authority. I give you power and authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. And this is for his disciples, first the 12, and then he gave the same commission to the 70. And then he told them in the Great Commission, all the disciples, behold, I'm with you with, until the end of the age. Okay, same commission. Uh, you will work signs and wonders and miracles and, you'll, and healing, and that is for the proclaiming the gospel to those who are not believers. The operation of healing, miracles, raising the dead, all of the supernatural uh, things that we can do are things that we do to proclaim the gospel to the world, to non-believers. And that commission is given to everyone. No one is accepted. Jesus didn't say in any of those passages, well, I'm only going to give this as a gift to a few of you disciples, but not to the rest of you. Um, the authority the authority that we have as believers, the authority is for casting out evil spirits and healing. The power of the Holy Spirit that we all have inside of us, that power is for the working of miracles. And it is accessible to everyone. So having said that, having just having a basic understanding of that, how do you learn to operate in the supernatural. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard anyone say to a child has an amazing gift of walking? You're never going to hear anyone say that child has an amazing gift of walking because walking isn't a gift. It's not something that is given to one or person or, and not to somebody else. Okay. But it's also not something you're born with. No one is born fully able to walk. <laughs> we, have, we have to develop muscle coordination. We have to develop strength. We have to develop our balance. And how do you do that? Through practice. You stand up and you fall. And you stand up and you fall. And you take a few steps and you fall again. And you take some more steps and you fall. Walking is developed. It is an innate ability that we all have, but it has to be developed. You don't get good at it right away. Same thing with running, okay? You, you, no one is born fully able to run, but you learn how to run. And if you practice enough, you may be good enough to run a four-minute mile. But it takes practice. It takes exercise. And learning to see in the spirit is the same, the same principle applies. We all have a spirit. Your spirit has spiritual eyes. Your spirit is able to, has a spiritual sense of hearing. Your spirit is able to perceive, smell, touch, sight, all of the senses. But most of us are born in a, into this physical body, and we completely ignore our spiritual senses. 
We don't exercise them. We never develop them, and we never learn to see visions, to see in the spiritual world, to hear the God, hear God's voice, and hear angels. It's, and it's only because we don't develop those senses. If you spend time practicing and developing, you will develop those senses, and you'll be able to see angels and demons. You'll be able to hear the voice of God and see visions. It's only an, an issue of practice and exercise. Guys, for those, Mike, for those of you Mike that were, yeah. <laughs> David, that was awesome. Uh, that, that was great. And 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 just the question that I'm hearing uh, again, just sitting back here, and I'm just acting as a sniper. The, the rebut that tradition is going to want to say is, well, you know, that's not that's not true because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We just, guys, we just addressed the misapplication of that and what that is meant to do. Second part, guys, is it does not mean if your senses, where we're all in the process of maturing and growing in the kingdom, if you're not seeing the way you want to or interacting with the kingdom the way you want to, that means you cannot exercise by faith going into the courts of heaven. That's a lie. Because well, and it's you, it's even worse than it's even worse than that, David. It is much worse than that. Here is the problem. If God wants you to operate in the gift of, di- of discerning of spirits and you have never developed your spiritual ability to see or smell the odor of demons or to see evil spirits, you're never going to use that gift because you haven't developed your spiritual sense. If you have never developed your ability to see in the spirit, your ability to see in the spirit, it limits the ability of God to use you with the true spiritual gifts because you have to develop those senses in order to operate in the gifts. Absolutely. So, yeah, so go absolutely. ahead. And, and, yeah, and no. talk about walking, walking by faith and not by sight. Okay. Faith, faith is the trigger that releases the supernatural. When you need to release power to operate to work a creative miracle if somebody needs a new kidney or a new eye. How do you release the power of the Holy Spirit? The power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. How do you release it? Faith. You simply believe that when you lay hands on that person, you're going to release the power of God, and it's going to work a creative miracle and give them a new kidney, give them a new eye, give them new, you know, whatever they need. Faith is confidence in God. It's expectation that that, that what God said is going to happen. So faith isn't just this um, nebulous, uh, I don't need to see anything. I don't need to have any revelation. That's not faith. Faith is not a lack of revelation. Faith is a confident expectation. Faith is the, is the what I, my paraphrase of <laughs> what Hebrews says about faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? The, I say it's a confident expectation of the things that we desire, and it has to line up with God's desire. Uh, so faith has a true faith has a component of confidence and expectation. It is just simply knowing and trusting that what needs to happen is going to happen. Faith, how does faith operate in deliverance? Okay. How do you kick out an evil spirit out of someone who is demon-possessed? 
You exercise authority, but how do you do that? You command that spirit to leave, and you command them in confident expectation that when you tell that spirit to leave, it's going to leave. That faith releases the authority. The faith releases the power. So all that, I'm just trying to get uh, through this idea that faith is not a lack of revelation. Faith is a confident expectation that what God said is going to happen is going to happen. Absolutely, David. That's great for rounding that out. And to, to just complete that thought, guys, as you're growing and maturing in Christ, which the body of Christ is all meant to do, right? Hebrews 4.11 tells us that, that those that have gone on are meant to raise up the next generation so we all come to the fullness, right? And then, we, and then you, know, you hit the repeat button, and then the next generation raises up and disciples in the ways of the kingdom the following generation. As, as all of us are on that journey, one of the, one of the lies that, that is propagated in the church is that I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I don't X, Y, and Z. I'm not qualified. I'm not like the people that I hear I'm, that are listening to or I'm reading about or right, all that nonsense. And, and the point here, guys, for encouragement to you is that's a lie. You walk out what God's word says, you believe it, and you continue to dig in and, and develop. Like everything. I mean, for those of that, it's easy for me to apply this principle. It always was for me because my background was, was an athlete. And I knew you didn't, it doesn't matter how much of a, in an eight, buried diamond in the rough gift you have. If you don't allow someone to train you and cultivate you and groom that, you will always fall short, as David was saying earlier on, of what you could do, what we're meant to do. The scriptures say in Christ, because if he spared not his own son, how shall he not also in him freely give us all things? We have access to the entire kingdom, every part of that realm. And as we are growing in it, at each point we make the decision I am going to stand on this. I'm going to stand on what the word says. I'm going to exercise this authority. I'm going to fall into alignment with God's principles. So for those of you that, that are just hearing that lie, I can't, I'm not ready to do this. I'm not qualified. Guys, that's a lie. Give me a break. If you're a child of God, you've been raised in the righteousness of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21, Colossians 1.21. You are the redeemed. You're holy and blameless. You're above reproach. You've been given the garment of salvation and a robe of righteousness. That's it. Go for it. Have fun doing it. Have fun doing it. Go for it. Did you guys yep. know that we actually, our physical vision is a learned thing? Yes. When you're born, you're, as a newborn, your eyes can only focus about 12 inches away. You can't see anything in the distance. You have to learn how to, how to see uh, correctly. Yeah, I found that amazing. Totally amazing. I found that out when my... Yeah daughter was an infant from the optometrist and I said what what do you mean yep. you have to learn how to see yeah. yep 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 so if we have to and learn learning, how to see in the natural yeah learning how to see in the spirit really is and uh the, the simplest way to understand it is our spirit is always constantly in the spiritual world observing spiritual things it's just that our, our mind is focused on the physical world and not the spiritual world. So if, when, you close your, when you close your eyes to the physical world, and this is why I tell people a lot of times when I'm praying for someone, I'll close my eyes. I shut out what I'm seeing in the natural world so that I can see more, more uh, accurately what God is showing me in the spiritual world. 
So that's when I see words, you know, migraine headache. That's when I see, you know, acetabulum. And I see different words that God's giving me because I'm shutting out the natural world and my, my spirit is perceiving what's going on, but I have to shut out the natural world in order to recognize, oh, look, that's what's going on. Uh, a good example, <clears throat> I was getting ready to go to bed the other night and, uh, you know, I'm walking around my house and I'm looking at all the things in my house and I'm on the computer and doing all the things in the natural world. As soon as I laid down to go to bed and closed my eyes, the Lord gave me a series of visions in the vision, I saw Steve Bannon, I saw uh, James Mattis, General Mattis, and I saw, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Kelly? Not, not, not General Kelly. I saw, um, mm. Mike oh, Rex Tillerson. Rex Tillerson. Rex Tillerson. I saw Tillerson, Bannon, and Mattis all emerging from a swamp, one at a time, with a look of determination on their face. And then I saw another revelation with George Soros. And God was showing me some things he was planning on doing concerning our government and George Soros. But the thing is, I, God was showing me the revelation. My spirit was perceiving it. But if I had not closed my eyes and spent some time, you know, just kind of observing the spiritual world, I would have been completely oblivious to that revelation. So from what, I, what I try to encourage people uh, to understand is God is always speaking. It's a matter of us focusing our mind on what he's saying and what he's revealing and that really does come through practice. It's just practicing and training your mind to focus on what the Lord is showing you rather than your computer and Facebook and email and, you know, <laughs> everything else. It's the natural world does get noisy. Yes. Yeah, it's getting rid of the clutter, it's getting rid of the noise and the clutter and getting rid of the background uh, chatter and getting quiet before the Lord and letting him speak to you. I love your insights on the politics that we're going through right now. Yeah, we are going through some interesting times, that's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, I I love, you know, I've, I've never really been all that interested in politics. My wife has been more politically minded. But since, uh, oh gosh, since I've been on about a year and a half, the Lord has given me, consistently given me dreams and visions of where he's showing me the political landscape. So, uh, I, I find it very interesting in this season of my life. I'm doing something that I'm not used to doing, but um, it, you know, I'm, I'm here to do whatever he needs me to do. So, <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. And I love the way you keep having, there was one periscope you did. I think it was periscope that you were saying, you know, don't don't get off the Trump train. I think was the name of it, where people are getting all, yeah. oh my goodness, he's he's not living up to his promises. He's not who we thought he was. He's doing this and this is going on and that's going on. And you right. said, no, just you know, keep your faith. Father yep. said he was going to do something with Trump and he's going to do it. 
he, I love he that is. one. And it's and it's not going to look the way we think it's going to look. I I, I would love I, I, I would this, love to see George Soros jailed in in a deep what do they call those those FEMA is it FEMA camps where they have these dark sites FEMA where camp. they just put people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I had a very interesting dream the other night um, that I haven't told anyone about. Um, it's, it's one of those, every once in a while, God will give me this big picture view of what he's doing. Most of the time I get kind of a small picture view where he's just showing me what I'm doing, what he wants me to be involved in. But periodically he'll give me this big picture view that gives me kind of a, a, a larger, you know, understanding of all the different ways he's working to accomplish his goals. And that was what this dream was. I saw in the dream my influence in my circle of friends and the way that the leaders in our, in our group were doing things. <clears throat> and then I saw how that was connected to another group of people who were operating, uh, who were uh, um, concerned with completely different issues. They, were, they had different assignments, different issues that they were working on, but we were connected. And then I saw another group that was larger, that was working on something else. And yet we were all connected to that group. And then I saw, I just saw like this camera image zooming out and I saw all these groups and all these people, all different subjects, all different assignments. And I saw how it all came together as a composite picture. And the picture literally looked, up, looked like this huge cross that was like millions of miles tall <laughs> and all of these composite groups and activities and actions that seemed completely unrelated. They were all working together to accomplish God's will. Um, and that is, that's the mystery of God to me is how he works through many different people, different movements, different groups, different interests, different assignments, but it, we're all working together to accomplish the will of God. He's a multitasker. Encouraging, uh... No, go ahead, yes. Dorothy. I just said he's a multitasker. <clears throat> Father is a multitasker. Don't put him in a box. He won't fit. <laughs> no. He is multitasking. Try. He is a multitasker. Yeah. I'm a good monotasker myself. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy, okay, so is there anything else? Is there anything about the courts that 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 uh, are coming through your way that that you know we can address while we're on that before we we close out? I mean, um, I have no agenda on my end, but I'm I there was one other question. Well, I think we pretty much answered why it is advantageous to to use father's procedures that he's already set up because they work. But um, other than that, there are some in the body who are leery of using their imagination. I'm one of them. I'm a little, I don't want to see or do anything that father doesn't want me to see or do. So I don't want to take the chance of, yep. uh, of doing it yep. myself, you know, because I can imagine things pretty good, you know? Um, yep. How do we address would you like that? Me to, would you like me to address that? Yes, I'd, please. I'd be happy to. Yep, I, I would be happy to. So <clears throat> it, uh, it's being taught by some people that to engage um, the heavenly realms, you have to use your imagination. 
And there may or may not be some truth to that. Um, it just depends on how you define your terms. So we have been taught through our educational system that things that we conjure up or that we see or perceive in our imagination are not real. They're imaginary. They're hallucinations. They're the things that crazy people see. Or sometimes they're your daydreams, but they're not real. They're imaginary. Okay, so the first problem we run into is a problem of vernacular and language. We assign to anything that is not physical, that is we, we see in our mind, we say that's not real. Okay, here's a problem. If you're sitting on your couch and you see in your mind a demon walking through your house and then you see the demon sit down next to you and you experience a severe headache, is that, is that something that you're imagining or is it real? Because it, you're seeing it in your mind. You're seeing it in what most people would say is your imagination. So the question is, are you imagining a demon or is a demon actually there? And see, that's the problem that you run into when you say, well, we engage the spiritual world through our imagination. I, I just say you engage the spiritual world through your mind. And your mind is, uh, your mind is the cognitive part of your brain. Um, if you have to understand that we are body, spirit, and soul. We are a, we are a spirit we have a soul and we live temporarily in a physical body and our, and our brain, which is the organ of thought, our brain has to process information through the soul. The soul is mind, will, and emotions. And the soul is the gateway between the physical body and the spiritual body. Anything that happens in the spiritual realm, is perceived by the, by the physical body through the soul. The soul is like the filter, the gateway, that processes the spiritual world. So um, when an angel is standing in front of you, whether or not you perceive it is an issue of, is your soul focusing on what your spirit is seeing or is your soul focusing on what your physical eyes are seeing? If your, physical, if your soul is focusing on what your physical eyes are seeing, you're going to see a brick wall and a tree and not the angel. If your soul is, chooses to focus on what your spirit is seeing, your spirit will see the angel standing in front of you. Now, uh, how do you know if something is real or something is something you conjured up in your imagination, because you can, you can conjure up in your imagination, demons and angels. So how do you know the difference? How do you know if this is real or not real? Here's how, you know, and I'm going to give you two illustrations that'll help you understand how to tell the difference. Here's the first illustration. <clears throat> okay. Um, when, just imagine that you were on a ship at sea and you're the radio operator 
for a ship that's on the ocean? How do you communicate with other boats that are on the ocean? Radio signals. You, your, um, your commander has you take a transmission, a, a message. You transmit that into Morse code, and then you transmit it to another ship. So you have a radio that transmits a signal to another ship. That ship receives the message, decodes it, and then understands what the message is. Okay? So whether you're um, talking on a radio, talking on a telephone, or talking uh, uh, by, via lights, flashing symbols, or Morse code, or whatever, you, there are, when there's communication, there's a message, and there's a receiver and a sender. Okay, if you are the sender of a message on this ship at sea and you send out a message, how do you know, here's the question, how do you know if the message that went out is your message or is a message that somebody else sent? So there's a, there's a radio signal that goes out or there's a flashing light signal that goes out and another ship receives it. But if that same message comes back to you, how do you know if it was a message you sent or if it was a message that was sent by somebody else? Because there's a message, you want to know who the sender was. Is it me or is it somebody else? Is it, is it internal or is it external? Well, you know because you can change your own message, but you can't change somebody else's message. So... When you are sending out a signal, you can change that message and make it say anything you want. But when you're receiving a message from a, a source outside of you, you can't change that message. That message is being sent to you, and you can't change it. You can change your perception of it, but you can't change the actual message. You can change the interpretation of it, but you can't change the message because the message is external to you. All right. So, you're standing in, front, in a grocery store uh, at the checkout counter, and for some reason, you close your eyes, and you see in your mind the word migraine. Now, the question you're going to ask is, did God just give me a word of knowledge, or am I imagining this word in my mind, in my imagination? Is it real? And that real is not even a good word. It, is this something I'm imagining? Is it internal to me or is this external? Did it come from God? How do I know? Here's how you know. Try to make it go away. When you get a, a word of knowledge or when you get an image in your mind that you think is from God, try to make it go away. Try to just blank it out of your mind. Try to change it. Try to change what it says. Try to change the image. And if you cannot change it, it did not originate inside of you. It is external. Because if you can't change it, it's not, you're not making it up. And I have done this many times. When I have seen visions, seen different things, if I can change it, if I, can, if I see this image and it looks like people walking and I can make the people move and I can make them do different things and I can arrange the scene, it's my imagination. If I can't change it, it's not my imagination because the will is part of your soul. 
and you can exercise your will over your imagination and you can change things in your mind and your in your uh, creative imagination you can change things around and reorder change the color change the name change all that stuff but if the message is external to you you can't change it and and i would just say that's part of pra- the practice exercise when you get still with the lord and ask him to show you images try to change the images that you see and if you can't change them they're not from you they're from they're outside of you and i won't say they're from god because obviously demons can communicate to us and so can angels and so can jesus so there are many sources of external inf- information but there is a good way to ter- tell what is internal and what is external and that is if you can change it if you can change it it's internal if you can't change it it's external then you have to decide okay that naked woman that i'm seeing is that from god or is that from a demon well that's probably from a demon and i have had those experiences where the where demonic spirits gave me revelation making trying to make me think it was from god and i knew it wasn't because god doesn't show me that kind of stuff so uh that is you know my practical way to learn how to discern the difference between you know our imagination and something that is external to us That's a good okay and can you can you address those who insist adamantly that we are not supposed to interact in any way, shape, or form with angels, be they God's angels or the yes. devil's angels? Yes. Um, just read the book of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, if you if you read the book of Revelation – as if it was something that actually happened or could happen today. Number one, you will find out that almost the entire book was written, as John says, as I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, right? What do you, <clears throat> when you take the Greek construction of that phrase, in the spirit, it means that his primary experience was in the spiritual world. He was oblivious to the natural, to the physical world. He was seeing, observing, hearing, experiencing everything in the spiritual world. I had a guy ask me one time, well, you know, there isn't anything in the Bible that says that, you know, we should, you know, travel in the spiritual world, experience the spiritual world. And I said, have you read the book of Revelation? <laughs> because the entire book, it, it takes place in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual world. John is interacting with angels. He sees angels doing this. And angel says, hey, John. Don't seal up the book. You know, this is what I want you to write. Uh, Hey, John, go here and watch this. And John, do this and do that. And John said to this spirit, and I saw the seven spirits of God and all these different things. Okay. Uh, Number one, the book of Revelation. Number two, uh, Hebrews says, are they not all ministering spirits who minister to the heirs, to those who will inherit salvation? Speaking of angels, angels are spirits sent to minister to assist and aid those who will inherit salvation. Who's going to inherit salvation? We are. Angels are sent to uh, to be our servants. And when I'm praying for people to be healed, if I can't go to somebody 
uh, physically and, and lay hands on them, I will oftentimes dispatch angels to go and release healing on them. Uh, that's just my experience. That's something that the Lord has confirmed for me. But, you know, if you look through uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, angels come as messengers. They appear in dreams. They give people messages. Angel, uh, an angel got Peter out of prison, unlocked the gate. Uh, angels are all, there's over 200 or I think 300 mentions of angels in scriptures, and they're most of the time they're interacting with humans. Now, <clears throat> if someone adamantly says we should never talk to angels, never interact with angels, okay, that's fine. You can live that way if you want to. I have chosen not to live that way. I have chosen to live the way the Bible says we should interact with angels, and that is that, no, we don't worship angels. However, however, angels are an integral part of God's plan. How he works out his plan for mankind in the earth is God has decided not to show up in person here on earth. He allows us to be filled with his spirit and he sends his messengers and his servants, angels, to co-labor with us to accomplish the things we need to do. Um, one of the things that angels love to do is deliverance. If you're having trouble doing deliverance, recruit some angels to help you. Angels love doing deliverance. They, um, <laughs> I have a friend who does a lot of deliverance, and he is always uh, asking angels to help him get rid of the demons. And they're very good at it, and they enjoy it. So... Uh, you know, it's people. Some people are stuck in their mindset, stuck in their ways, and and they're not going to engage the angels, and and that's fine. You know, from my perspective, it's their loss. Um, but if you are serious about seeing people healed and set free of demonic oppression, and if you're serious about revealing the supernatural kingdom of God, um, learning how to cooperate with angels is a good idea. And I will tell you this. If you go to the court of accusation, if you go to the court of heaven, don't be surprised if the judge tells you to go to the court of angels. <laughs> because at some point, you're going to need to go to the court of angels to get angels to help you carry out the, the decrees of heaven that you get. So, so your turn. David, Mari, you have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, David describing just really the, the practice, practical common sense aspect of, of the fact that we're spirit beings. You know, I mean, David laid it out really well. We're spirit beings. And what we have done in the body of Christ, uh, by and large, um, is we consider ourselves soulish beings. We let our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions dictate and act as the filter, the gatekeeper of what we're going to receive from the spirit realm and what we're going to not and how we're going to choose to live our life. And, and, and when that's done under proper biblical alignment, it brings forth life. Galatians 6, 8, that's whoever sows to this, to the carnal realm, meaning not the earthly realm, but the things of Satan's kingdom will reap death. And those who sow into the spirit will reap life eternal. He's talking to born again believers. He's talking about where we sow into and so the problem that many of us experience is we say, well, I'm going to choose to define my own theology. I'm going to choose to have the Bible 
say what I wanted to say. And usually, usually, guys, it's it's motivated out of fear, not the heart of the right. father. Right. It's a right. fear. All right. of the all of the teaching that we should not uh, co-labor and work with angels or talk to angels. It's all fear-based. It's all out yeah. of a fear that you're going to screw up, and the devil is going to sneak in there, an angel of light, and you're going to end up hanging out with a with a demon uh, or a fallen angel. It's all fear. And, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, and here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. If an angel is telling you that you need to hang out with more angels and you need to get to know the angels better and you need to know the names of the angels and you need to really, you know, come and hang out with us in our little enclave of angels and we'll give you secret knowledge and information, be concerned. Um, every angel of God that you're going to interact with is going to point you to Jesus. Amen. If, if the angels are not are not pointing you to Jesus and in strengthening your relationship with Jesus and showing you things that Jesus can help you with, you do not want to be involved with those angels. It's that simple. It, it, everything in the kingdom always points to Jesus. If it doesn't, if it's not pointing to Jesus, it's probably not of the kingdom. It's probably the kingdom of darkness. It, guys, and the Holy Spirit just gave me a wonderful example to, to help minister to you guys how to put that again. You guys, <laughs> I, like, I like common sense, right? I don't like weird. Jesus was the perfect image of how, um, as a man walking by the leading of the Holy Spirit, he got everything accomplished. He wasn't weird, right? So we don't have to be weird in doing this. Right, think of it this way. Right. right? What, 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 David's, what David Hayes is explaining is, okay, if, if, if these interactions are moving you, pointing you away from intimacy with the Lord, it's, it's not of his kingdom because all things of God's kingdom point back to the heart of the Father. They will encourage toward intimacy and growing ultimately in things that point you to greater intimacy. Now, there's a difference between greater interactions and greater intimacy. Every interaction will in some way or another point you to understanding the heart of the Father, which will never violate Scripture. Now, here's the cool example we're just giving. If you meet someone, and as you're getting to know them, you realize, man, this just really isn't a nice person. This isn't a good fit for me, right? What do we decide to do? We need to decide we're not going to hang out with them anymore. But we don't go around freaking out if we're going to meet a stranger, start up a conversation, and decide, oh, this person isn't a good person, right? I better not talk to anybody I don't know because anyone out there could be, they could be evil. They could be wrong. They could be, uh, you know, uh, have a path. They could have a history. We don't do that. We discern. Right? We, we, we engage people and we decide based upon that's going whether or not this is someone I want to continue a dialogue with or what degree I want to be a friend with. It's the same thing in the spirit realm, guys. If you're engaging in faith, if you're exercising your senses, you don't have to be afraid of something that's going to be a counterfeit because guess what, guys? There are always counterfeits. We don't throw away the kingdom of our Father and the Spirit of God that's in us because of fear of counterfeit. That's not faith. It doesn't please the Father. He, there's two things that are on the Father's heart, guys, and it has never changed. started back in the garden. He is desiring intimacy for his children, and he desires reconciliation for the lost. Those things will never change. So for us, he has two things that, that go back from the Garden of Eden, fulfilled in the cross, and it's the commission on the church today. 
is to fulfill the great commission to reconcile his lost children. And for those that have received him and know him as Savior, it's greater intimacy. So wherever we're governed by fear, we can let that go, guys, because here's something we need to remember. The Holy Spirit is bigger than some created, created fallen being. And the Lord is faithful. If you're hanging out with something, you have an interaction and it doesn't sit right, okay. You don't have to freak out over it. In the same way you meet someone at a gas station and they seem like a pleasant person as you're getting to talk to them, they're coarse, they're rude, or, or there's just something you don't like. Walk away. So I just wanted to share that. Yep. Well, I, th- look, I think you know, a lot of it. You, you, go ahead. I think a lot of it boils down to who you think Father is as well. If you think Father is just waiting to trick you into something, into doing something wrong, then that's going to be your mindset. But if you remember one of the things, and I don't remember exactly which scripture it is, it is would a good Father give you a stone if you ask for bread? And you've got to remember that principle in dealing with our Father. is He loves us, darn it. You know? Yeah. So get over the fear. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah. He, he does. Uh, you know, and the thing is, as I have walked out my life in the kingdom, and as I've gone into these, quite frankly, just strange experiences that the Lord has, has put on my door, and strange experiences that other people have put on my doorstep, um, I have had to learn how to discern. You know, the, the, the gift of discerning of spirits is given to us for a reason. Because, because there are good there's, there's spirits and there are, bad, and there are bad spirits, and the Lord doesn't want you to avoid all spirits. He wants you to learn how to discern the good ones from the bad ones. So, again, in developing the spiritual gifts, in developing your spiritual senses, you know, if you're engaging with different spirits, you need to learn how to discern God's spirits, the angels. And the seven spirits of God and, you know, the, the living for living creatures. I mean, if you start going into the heavenly realms, you're going to run into a lot of very interesting spirits up there. Um, you're going to, you may run into a young lady by the name of wisdom. And if you want to know about her, read through Proverbs, uh, particularly chapters seven and eight and nine. And you'll find out that when the Lord talks about uh, wisdom goes through the towns Seeking those who want understanding and want knowledge. He's not talking metaphorically. He's talking about an actual spirit. She, her name is Wisdom. She lives in heaven. And you will actually run into her, and she is very cool. Uh, <laughs> friends, well, I've, I've, I've actually met her too. Um, but you have to discern all these different spirits. You have to look at them and understand them and, and communicate with them and say, okay, this one is definitely one of God's, uh, on God's side. Or this one is trying to take me away from Jesus, away from God. And that's uh, part of discerning spirits, growing in spiritual maturity, is learning, you know, how all these things interact, where these spirits come from, what their agenda is. It's, you know, and the Lord will give you information. I have many times, the Lord has given me dreams, warning me, letting me know this person, the spirit, this whatever, this thing is not good, get away from it. Um, He has been very faithful 
to warn me when I am getting close to something that is dangerous. And I have not been burned. I've not had a lot of um, uh, what people would call um, <clears throat> backlash. I don't very often get suffer, suffer demonic attacks because I'm always trying to look and listen for the Father's voice. And when he says get away from something, I get away from it, like right now. I don't wait around. I just, it's, I'm done with it, and it's gone. And then I'm on to the next thing that he's leading me into. So uh, if you are seeking the Father's heart, if you're seeking his wisdom, he will give it to you. He will let you know what's safe and what isn't. And what David Hayes just said is a key point that is often we willfully choose to ignore. And it can't be emphasized enough. As if we're seeking the Father's heart, he will reveal himself. It is the glory of a king to to say again, David? Right. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, the glory of king to search a matter out. But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first put in greatest priority the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. And if you're always seeking the kingdom, if you're not seeking religion, if you're not seeking a a list of rules, if you're not seeking a formula, if you are seeking the kingdom and the king, he will provide, protect, and enlighten you and mature you in everything that you need. Yeah, where, where most of us, thanks, David, that, that's exactly where I was going, where, where most of us guys get off is because we don't understand who we are as children of God. We seek experience to validate us, where identity. It's a, we say, it's Lord, identity. If you, if, yeah, it's, it's, yeah and, and, and that's exactly it. It's, it's if we're seeking things because we want to try to validate us or God, this is if, if X, Y, Z happens to me, if this encounter happens to me, well, then I'm going to kind of begin to know maybe you love me, maybe. And what we're doing, guys, is it's idolatry. We're forming a corrupted relationship with the Lord that's not based upon righteousness, that's not based upon our identity as his redeemed. And we're seeking experiences to validate our self-worth. That will always get us off track. Always, because it is not grounded in his kingdom nature or in him. It's, it's corrupting a relationship. So if we can recognize, guys, that we have things we're, we're still working through, right? We're in the process of all growing up into full maturity in him, knowing our identity more. But if we could say, okay, I'm gonna, Lord, I thank you. I'm loved. I am accepted. I'm the righteousness of Christ. I, I, I'm not here to win the approval of man. I already am complete in you. Then, guys, we can, from that foundation of truth, begin to engage the kingdom without it becoming idolatrous, without it becoming perverted. And it doesn't matter what camp we're in, that foundation in Christ, in identity, as David Hazel said, that has to be the foundation, Jesus Christ, from which we engage everything from the kingdom. And it keeps us safe, no matter what mistakes we make. Hey, David, to illustrate your point, I had a dream a few years ago. Um, this is a just an eye-opening dream for me. In the dream, Bill Johnson, Bill and Benny Johnson, had discerned that the orphan spirit was the greatest problem in the modern-day church. And the orphan spirit is, um, it could be a metaphor, it may be an actual spirit, but it's a metaphor, certainly, 
for a group of people who don't know their identity, who are living as orphans, who don't actually know the love of God. They don't know. They haven't experienced his embrace. They haven't experienced his acceptance. They know it in their mind. They've never felt it or known it in their heart. And that describes most of the church today. Yeah. You know, we talk about being sons of God. We talk about being his beloved children. But I run into people every single day who have never experienced it, and they literally live as orphans. Yeah, that's, you, you nailed it. I, uh, and it, I won't, well, won't go down that road. But, yes, what David Hayes is saying is, guys, you've heard me talk about that. It's, it's number one. We can say um, we have dominion. We walk in dominion and authority. We can say that we're the redeemed. We can say that we have the authority in Christ. Uh, we can we can make any proclamation of scripture we want, but whether or not we choose to walk it out as an expression of our belief will determine whether we truly believe that. And, and we've talked about this before, guys. If I'm getting offended with other members in the church, if I'm not displaying much love, I'm not talking about acting like I love someone. That's self-control. That's not love. That's, that's the this, this spiritual fruit of self-control. It's not the first fruit of love. If I am not moving and flowing with unconditional love, or to the degree that I'm not, to the degree that I'm offended with strangers for, for cutting me off uh, when I'm driving, to the degree that I'm offended by someone who says something unkind to me. Guys, these are all of the rumblings that are telling us our foundation, our identity is not laid in Christ. It doesn't matter how much I hear, see his voice, or proclaim the word. It's expressed by the way we interact in our daily interactions or indicators of what I truly believe. And that's one of the things Father is doing in this hour in the body of Christ. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I completely bear witness with what you're saying. Here. That's really interesting considering my vision of Ben's asking for more por- porridge. But, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, we do have a caller if you guys want to take a call. You want me to take sure. a call or no? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right, Coach 630, Hello. what's your question? Hello, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. You're well. You're well. How are you? I am great. I'm blessed with the Lord, really enjoying you all. Um, I, I have a question. Um, I, I want to say first that I, I've been – I mean, I, I've been suffering a terrible digestive uh, disease or condition. Um, I mean, it's like crushed my life. And also been suffering tremendously in my finances. Um, I, I know these are uh, caused by demons. But my, my question is, uh, so many times I've prayed, I've received prayer, I've I'm new to the whole courts of heaven. I've went, you know, before the courts as best as as I know how. And there were many times when I, I, I felt, you know, like I addressed all of the accusations. I, you know, asked that the blood would, would speak for me against the charges. Um, I mean, just literally doing everything that I know um, changed. So my question is, how how do you know you know, when God has ruled in your favor, I mean, do you do you just, you know, wait? Um, or after so long, do you go back into the courts and say, you know, something still may not be right? Uh, I mean, can, at can this I ask point, what, I'm... Yes. Can I ask what your name is? 
Yes, my name is Dewan. Dewan, hey. Um, mm-hmm. I got a couple of questions for you, and it's a good question, yes. and I get this question a lot. And mm-hmm. um, there are many tools that God has given us for healing. The courts mm-hmm. is just one of them, okay? Power is another one. Authority is another one. Emotional healing is another one. There's healing DNA, and there's generational issues. And there is nutrition, and there's exercise, and there's a lot of different things. And, it, and you have to look at this holistically. If you have received prayer from people who you know, have a decent track record, and if you've gone to the courts and you've done nothing, you're, you're on the right track. But don't stop at one thing and say, well, you know, when is this going to manifest? If you've gone through a series of you know, three or four things, realize there's about another 10 things that you want to look into. So real quick, what is your diagnosis? Well, when I when I went to the doctor, they 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 diagnosed it as GERD, but okay. I heard from a um you know person that that's that's just something that they say when they they can't really diagnose it. Well, um, yeah, okay. So let me let me give you a couple of things to think about. Number one, my wife has gluten intolerance. Mm-hmm. And I was, I've been praying over her for a long time. She's received prayer from people who really know what they're doing, and she has not been healed. And she's had gluten intolerance for at least five or six years. So I was desperate before the Lord one night, and I was crying out to him, and I said, hey, what am I missing? And I had a dream that night, and God showed me in the dream that she needed to have her DNA healed. Now, mm. I'm, I'm looking into how you actually do that, how you get somebody's DNA healed. There are a couple of different processes that are recommended by people that I know who are pretty knowledgeable, and we're, we're, we're experimenting and trying to figure out how you get somebody's DNA healed. But that was specifically, that's what God told me in the dream. But I would, I, would, I would suggest, and this is just my own experience over the last three or four years, for praying for hundreds, probably thousands of people, um, you probably need emotional healing to take the next step. Um, mm. And uh, strangely enough, I mean, I know I, I've, I receive emails from people all the time. I have repented of everything. I've gone through Sozo. I've gone through deliverance. I've gone through this program. I've done this and that and the other thing. And, you know, I feel like I've repented and renounced everything and generational stuff has been broken off and I'm still not any better. And I'm like, look, I get that. I, I get that. But here's, here's the, the issue. Everybody needs emotional healing. And I mean everybody. You yes. cannot go through this world. You can't go through this world and have relationships, husbands, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, parents, and not feel rejection from people and not suffer shame at certain times and not suffer abuse from leaders. And all of those things that we go through, they do damage to our soul. They create trauma and that is what demons attach to. When you have mm. sickness and disease that is not healed, okay, and the key verses in Ephesians 4, where Paul said, wrote, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil a foothold. What was he talking about there? He equated unresolved anger with an opening for the devil. Wow. So you harbor, you harbor anger. It's an emotion. It creates a wound in your soul, and it creates an opportunity for demons to attack you. 
which is why forgiveness is part of the process, but forgiving alone doesn't heal you because you can forgive someone and say, I forgive you, but you still have an emotional wound. You have to get healed of that emotional wound. So I developed a process, and this is the Lord just showed me this. I've studied, gosh, I've studied over a dozen different approaches to emotional healing. Um, Unfortunately, most of them take at least two or three hours, and some take multiple sessions, and some take up to six weeks to go through them. And I was praying for people in an ambulance, and I typically have maybe 10 minutes to get somebody healed at the most. Right. So I, so I had to develop a process that's easy and fast and effective and doesn't take a long time. So in learning what I have about emotional healing, I came down to a process that's three steps. It's actually two steps. The third step is optional. Um, I asked people to think about a traumatic memory. I asked them to identify what the emotion is, give the emotion to Jesus, just say, Jesus, I ask you to take this emotion, this feeling of anger, rage, shame, guilt, whatever it is. Jesus, take the emotion from I need to interrupt for a second. I'm I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. We're down to three minutes live stream. It will carry over into an archive for another hour. Can finish okay. up this call. I just wanted to let you know that live stream is going to end in about three minutes. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Dewan, the, the the message here is, and and I have seen this. I have I have prayed for people who have received a lot of prayer for physical symptoms like chronic back pain, neck pain, GI problems, and they never got breakthrough. We took them through the emotional healing, and all of their physical symptoms left after we went through the wow. emotional. Healing. So I would just say, if you're interested, I have another 99-cent ebook. You can get it on Amazon, on Kindle. It's called three, Emotional Healing in Three Easy Steps. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to my website and look up Emotional Healing, I've got a ton of articles on there. I've got podcasts for free. But this process is simple. And I would say before you lose hope, go through Emotional Healing and watch what mm-hmm. happens. I'm sure you will get some relief and some if nothing else, any anger, anxiety, fear, anything like that is going to be dealt with, and you're going to feel emotionally a lot better, and you may actually get physically healed too. Wow, that's awesome. I'm going to get that tonight. Okay, <laughs> Juan, I'm just going to jump in here just for a second on, on something. When you got on the phone, sure. and you uh, mentioned that you have something that's been lingering with you. Um, what yes. the Lord showed me is a picture of your father, your earthly dad, Okay, I'm not going to, hmm. so, so usually the Lord shows me something, I read into it, I don't say it, I'll just share what I share, you take it back, and, you know, if it doesn't bear witness, it toss it out, I won't get offended, it's impossible to send me, and, and, and you know, it doesn't make a difference, God's faithful. Um, I saw a picture of your yes. father, and an interaction with your father. Now, before I say that, let me say this, when we go through something, as David Hayes is talking about emotional healing, right, uh, one of the things mm-hmm. we'll want to do is always defend the people we love especially the people we love that wounded us. This is not about attacking a person. This is not about right. we're um, honest with ourselves. That means our loyalties or our love toward a particular individual change. This is about healing. That's all, that's all it's about, right? We don't blame people or anything like that. It's, that's not what any of this is about. I saw a picture of interaction with you and your father, and I saw a dynamic that was created in such a way that it caused – um, 
uh, I'm going to use a word. It's going to, it may sound funny to you or bizarre or almost like a, a, a water, cold water across the face. But that's okay. And what I saw was a, a, a fracturing, a wounding of your soul that led to a spirit of self-hatred. Mm. And now a lot of people, um, when they'll hear that, they say, I, don't, I, I like myself. I like myself. It's not about on the surface your interactions and how you do. It's something that was ministered to you, a lie. I shouldn't say the word ministered. A wounding that was ministered to you, inflicted upon you, um, that mm-hmm. began to change a perception of how you related to yourself from a young age. And um, if you just go back before the Lord and begin to ask him, Father, you know, show me, open up my heart. Is there anything that I need to turn from along those lines where I'm seeing myself differently from how you see me and forgiving yourself and accepting the love of Christ over you as who you are. Um, I, 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 that's just what I was shown. So I'm not saying that's, uh, you know, everything there, but I see that as a major component of that God wants to heal you from is a way in which you related to yourself and to forgive yourself. The way that that wounding took place was such that you, you blamed or saw or received it into yourself in a way that it caused inward hatred as opposed to outward hatred. So just pray into that. You can wow. Me anyway. uh, you know, if, um, if, if you want to talk more about that. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And, I mean, honestly, a couple of things already come to mind. Praise so, God. He's faithful. He's just hearing that. Yes, well, glad we are able to uh, help you and give you some ideas uh, about things you can take to the Lord. For those who are listening, um, one of the things that me and my friends are finding is that if you have an autoimmune condition, and it could be anything, uh, autoimmune conditions, if you think about what that is essentially, it's a body's immune system attacking the body. Mm. Okay. And mm. if you take that metaphorically, it's almost like self-hatred. It's like the body hates itself and the body is trying to destroy itself. So if you have an autoimmune condition, uh, maybe lupus or or some GI symptoms like um, irritable bowel syndrome, these are autoimmune diseases. Mm. If you have an autoimmune condition, consider the possibility that it's related to mm-hmm. emotional wounds that have caused self-hatred. Yeah. And if you go through the healing yes. process and get healed of those wounds, many times the physical symptoms will go away. Wow. I, you know, I really appreciate that uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, usually when people pray for me, you know, they don't receive words of knowledge. Uh, I appreciate the protocol, you know, praying the word and things like that, but, you know, they don't receive insight like that, so I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, as you say, God is faithful. I know the very date, because I have struggled with self-hatred. I mean, seriously. And I I know the event, and I remember the exact date in which things begin to um, to change. Hey, hey, Dewan. And yes. Can I can I can I do uh, a little exercise with you? Oh, absolutely. Just to show you, just to show you what this is like. What was the event that happened? Uh, just tell us a little briefly what what the event was about, if you can. Okay, so yeah, it's interesting when you mention about my father. Uh, 
because there are two things, one with my natural father, one with my spiritual father. The thing okay. that affected me the most was the, the the thing concerning my spiritual father, which you know, which which is Father God. What happened was, I you know came from a very uh, con, you know conservative, charismatic church. They preached a lot about sin and very legalistic, and so I committed a a sin one day, and okay. I I just felt so much fear and condemnation that I was going to hell, that God was tired of me, I wasn't good enough, and that, it, it, it literally destroyed my spirit, and for years, uh, I just didn't see myself the same way, and I okay, think Duane, even now, Duane? I still suffer, yes. Okay, Duan, here's what, mm-hmm. what I want you to do. I'm just going to recall this event for you, and I want you to think about that day. You mm-hmm. committed this sin, and at the time... You felt horribly convicted. You felt like you maybe let God down. You felt like you were going to go to hell, like you just weren't good enough, right? Yes. As you think about that event, what emotion do you feel right now? Hurt. Okay. So say this out loud. Jesus, I ask you to take the feeling of hurt from me. Jesus, I ask you to take the feeling of hurt away from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. Okay, so Dewan, there you are on this one day, and you commit this sin, and you start to think, oh my gosh, I let God down, I'm a horrible sinner, maybe I'm not even saved, I might go to hell. As you think about that event, what emotion do you feel right now? As I think about that event right now, I, I guess I would say the emotion, I guess it's an emotion, uh, confusion. Because I, okay. I really so Duan, I, I thought Duan, God was Duan, doing it. Yes. Duan, Duan, repeat after yes. me. <laughs> I get you. I, get I, don't mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you no, start right. to overthink. No, right. You can't let me drift off. You, Yep. If you overthink the process, you're going to start rationalizing why you feel a certain way, and that that doesn't help. We just need to know what the emotion is. So just say this, Jesus, Jesus. I ask you to take the feeling of confusion away from me. Jesus, I ask you to take the feeling of confusion away from me. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. I ask you to heal the wound in my soul. And I ask you to give me understanding. And I ask you to give me understanding. Okay. So, Dewan, we're going to be at the hospital in four minutes, so I have to get this done pretty quickly because I still have to write my report. So, (laughs) (laughs) Great, great. When, when, all right, there you are uh, on this one day, and you committed this sin, and you're starting to think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm a horrible, wicked sinner. Oh, I might. I, maybe I'm not saved. I'm, I might go to hell. I'm disappointed, God. As you think about that event, what emotion do you feel right now? Right now, I, I don't feel anything. There you go. Because Jesus healed the wounds in your soul. It's that simple. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> 
Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so here is what you get to do. You have some homework now. Go back over your life to these other events with your, with your biological father, maybe with your mother, maybe with girlfriends, teachers, anyone that when you think of an event, if it brings up a negative emotion like fear, confusion, shame, hatred, rage, uh, whatever the emotion is, whenever you think of an event that brings up a negative emotion, identify the emotion, ask Jesus to take it, and ask him to heal the wound in your soul. And if you continue to do that, you sometimes you will actually feel a spirit lift off of you. Um, I've seen mm. this with a lot of people. They said, you know, they've, gave Jesus the emotion and then they're like, wow, I just felt something lift off of me. Yeah. You just did self deliverance. (laughs) Wow. When you you heal, when you heal the emotional wound, you are removing the place of attachment for spirits of sickness and disease. And they will actually let go and they'll, they'll release and they'll go away and people will feel the demons leave them. And you don't even have to command the demons to go. If you heal the emotional wounds, the demons will leave on their own volition because they have no reason, no legal rights to be there. Right. Wow. No foothold. Remember we talked about a foothold earlier. No foothold. foothold. Right. They remove the foothold, and then the demon just leaves. Then go find somebody else to pick on. Wow. I really appreciate that. Really do. God bless you, Dwight. Well, it's, power, it's, powerful, it's, it's powerful, and I would recommend using it. And, you know, um, eventually, if you go through this process, you'll, you'll start to see. God will start to show you some really cool things about yourself and about him. And you're gonna, your perspective, your perception of God and your relationship is going to be so much better. Wow. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. God bless you. Really appreciate it. You you well Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. We have arrived at the right. hospital and we have another patient healed. Yay. <laughs> that, that was awesome. That was awesome. I, you know, I, I read in your books and listened to your podcast, how that happens to people, to, but to actually hear it going on, because in the spirit, I could sense that happening and it was really quite awesome. Yeah. It was quite awesome. Yep. Yep. So, the only um, thing that can yep. hinder that is unwillingness. And the, a lot yep. of times the Lord takes us on a journey that slowly allows us to peel back what we've been too afraid to look at. And that's where the body yep. of Christ ministers and set straight broken bones. And, and why fellowship is not a legalistic uh, mandate, it's a privilege and an honor. Because when we can interact and allow <laughs> us to be sensitive to how the Lord wants to lead, uh, good things get done. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I have. Yes. I've used this. I've used this emotional healing process now. Um, probably over three or four hundred people over the last couple of years, and it has worked on everybody that I have used it on. Except the only exceptions are a handful of people who would not engage the process. If if you if you can't get the person to identify the emotion and give it to Jesus. They won't get healed, but everybody else, if they're willing to engage the process, if they're willing to identify the emotion and give it to Jesus, they're always healed um, without fail. Do you have now, any idea pe- what some, being told us back from 
engaging the process or not willing yes. to let go? Is, is there oh, something yeah. that goes on? Some, some, some people are just not ready uh, to engage the process. Um, this one gal that my wife and I worked with here in our house for a couple of hours, all she could talk about in, in the healing session was how wicked and horrible and evil her mother was and how it was her mother's fault. And her mother really needed to be the one going through the process. And we would, you know, try to get her to say, okay, well, what emotion are you feeling? Well, I just feel anger toward my mom. I mean, she was so horrible towards us. You don't understand how bad she was. She was just so evil, and she made our life hell. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But can you hang on a second? Just I want you to identify the emotion that you're feeling and then give it to Jesus. And she's like, you don't understand. It's not me that needs the healing. It's my mom. She's the one who really needs to process. She was so angry at her mom. She could not get herself through the healing process because she was so livid at how her mom treated her. And we sat here for two hours in our house, and we could not get her to engage the process. She would not give anything to Jesus. And what it comes down to at the end of the day for her was she felt like she had a right to be offended. She had a right to be angry. She had a right to be resentful. And as long as you feel like you have a right to hang on to those emotions, you're not going to give them to Jesus because you have a right to feel that way. And that's the main issue people struggle with is, They feel like they have a right to feel the way they feel, and they don't want to get rid of it. And as long as you don't want to get rid of it, Jesus isn't going to take it from you. You have to give it up willingly. And what goes hand in hand with that, Dorothy, is a spirit of self-pity. If you cannot get someone to deliver and sever their identity from self-pity, you can't move them on into really much of the kingdom because they've wrapped up pity and pitying themselves and trying to garner the pity from others as their identity and their, their foundation. It's not Christ. I'm not saying they're not, they're not born again, but their foundation, their soul makeup is that, is that spirit of self-pity. And so usually people need deliverance from that spirit, and that sometimes they're just they're not willing. So you have to start from there. Otherwise, anything you attempt to approach is attacking that foundation, which is, which is uh, demonic, that they don't, they're not willing to give up. So, are we finished, or do we have more to say? I I think we probably need to be finished because I need to start making dinner for my wife. <laughs> oh, what's for dinner? David, David, hey, this was awesome. This was awesome. Uh, I am making pork chops tonight. Oh, I love pork chops. Pork I haven't chops done dinner and yet. Apple sauce. Oh, yeah, yes. have to have applesauce so. with the pork chops. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, well, well it has North been wonderful. Setting this up. Yeah, yeah, it's been wonderful. It's been great. I love it. I I enjoyed this very much. I would love to have you back again sometime. Maybe uh, talk about all the things. I would like stuff. to come back again. Yeah, I would, I would like to come back again. I can talk about just about anything. Uh... You get me on a on a roll, and it's hard to stop me sometimes. Although you great. do well, keep Dorothy, your supernatural you, Saturday you, you things for... down to half an hour, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, um, I yeah, I, I have a lot of things I'm doing on the weekends, so yeah, I try to keep those messages between a half hour and forty five minutes. 
um, because a lot of the people that I'm teaching on these, uh, especially on Periscope and Twitter, they're not even Christians. <laughs> so I, I can't go too deep on those, on those uh, subjects all the time because it would, sometimes it'll just go right over their head and got to give them in bite-sized pieces. So. Well, I think you're doing an awesome job. Um, I think tonight's call is just one of those things where it does show the importance of having elders and disciples within the body to help each other. Yep. You know, because people get all hung up on that, you know, confess your sins to one another, and they go, why do I have to tell somebody else? And it's, it's not so they can judge you. It's so they can help you. They seem to, like, miss the point of that one. Yep. You know, it's like yep. everything, Dorothy. If you have theology without application is religion. Right? It's, it's about Absolutely. being our father's business. It's about, it's about out, you know, enjoying our relationship with the Lord and giving that light uh, to others and letting others do that for us. And um, so that's one of the things I, I enjoy so much about David Hayes and, and the time that we get and the form that we get is um, he walks that out. And it's a tremendous encouragement and blessing to me. So, David, for, for me, uh, and I know I speak on behalf of the body, but for me, thank you. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for coming on here. Well, David, you know uh, how much I value your friendship and your input and your experiences that you only share with me and nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is always it is always a pleasure talking to you. And Dorothy, it has been uh a pleasure talking to you. Um I've had a good time. I uh, I would definitely okay. come back and do this again. Thank you so much for coming on the table. It was a lovely conversation, very edifying. And I hope y'all out there learned a lot tonight cuz I sure did. And I've already been learning because I've been listening to David Hayes for a while. So, thank right. you. Well, Good thank night, you. everyone. Good night. Good night, Dorothy. Good night, Good everyone. Day, my friend. Good night. I'll talk to you soon, brother. Good night. All right. Father bless everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.